Uh, man, I want to start off just, um, you know, sharing just a little bit of a testimony uh, of my life, uh, just a little a, a story for you. Uh, I've never told anybody this except for my wife and a couple guys that I'm in community with um, for accountability. And, uh, you know, when this, when this happens, um, I, I always thought, you know, man, um, it was such a kind of like a powerful thing that happened in my life, a real milestone in my walk with Jesus. And, uh, but there was a time where I just wasn't comfortable sharing it. Um, but I knew that, you know, I was like, you know, God, you're going to have me share this one day. I don't know when, <laughs> um, but someday I think you are. And I think, I think this text, I think today um, in this text is the time uh, for me to share a little bit of this testimony from my life. And man, I just want to, uh, you know, share with you, um, you know, before I knew Jesus, before I came to Christ and uh, just my, my life, but before that, uh, I was um, this like secretly deceptive person. Secretly deceptive. I, I used to steal. Um, I used to, man, in college, I was a serial cheater on tests. Um, I cheated on like every test in college. Just uh, this, this kind of like sneaky, deceptive person uh, um, in my life. And man, I, I, uh, I came to Christ several years later. And God, he, he changed me uh, in many ways, and he, and he cut away lots of sin in my life, uh, including this deceptive nature uh, in my life. And man, some years later, so after I came to Christ, and some years later, I was uh, taking an online class. I was taking an online class, and um, we had our first major test, and I'm not a good test taker. I'm not a good test taker. I get super nervous when it comes to tests. I don't know why. You know, some people don't. They love taking tests. My wife loves taking tests. That girl could take tests all day. Uh, not me. Uh, I hate taking tests. And uh, when it came time to take this major, this first major test, it was really like the first major test that I had ever taken since college, right? Um, since college. And I, I mean, I was so nervous. I was so nervous, like all of these like memories were rushing back in my head, how I, was, I used to cheat and cheating on tests in college, and I was so nervous uh, with this test I was taking, uh, this course I was taking online, and this first major test, and you know, I, I, again, I hadn't taken a test like this since college, and uh, the last test I took before this test, I'm pretty certain I cheated. <laughs> I'm pretty certain I cheated, and now here I am in this new life with Christ, and I've changed so much, so much, um, but I, I felt this significant wave of temptation. The significant wave of temptation uh, came over me to cheat on this test. And, and, and what happens? I cheated on this test. I cheated on this test, man. I, I, I did it again. Here I am, a, a new man in Christ. And I go back to my old self. And I cheated on this test. I failed, man. I messed up. I did it again. And that's kind of what we're going to see here in Abraham. Uh, it's not really like he's not taking a test or anything. But Abraham, he does it again. He messes up again. He messes up the same way that he messed up 30 years before uh, in the scripture. He messes up again. He does it again. 
you know, if you're if you're if this is your first time here uh, at Streamsong, we're going through this uh, this study in the book of Genesis and the life of Abraham. If you've heard of uh, this great man Abraham, uh, it's called the crossover. It's called crossover, and we're going through the life of Abraham. And Abraham, he's considered the father of faith. He's considered the father of faith, and what that means is uh, for God to be, to be born into a world to save us from our sin, uh, he had to come in Jesus Christ. But to do that, to be born into the world, uh, he had to start a lineage. He had to start a line of descendants to get to the Messiah, Jesus, to be born into the world. Man, and who is that first person in that lineage? It's Abraham. Abraham is the first person in that lineage to Jesus. And we're seeing in Abraham this great father of faith. We're seeing a man in his family who, who, who struggles. Uh, they sin. They struggle. They succeed. They have successes. They have victories. But they sin and they struggle. And really the theme of Abraham's story that we've seen all of these weeks when you really put everything together is this. Man, your hope in life, salvation and your hope in this life is not the strength of your faithfulness. It's not. It's not the strength of your faithfulness. That's not your hope in life. Your hope in life is the strength of God's faithfulness. Your hope in life is the strength of God's faithfulness. Your hope in salvation is the strength of God's faithfulness. And we've seen Abraham fail. We've seen him fail. He's messed up. This great father of faith. You know, people think of Abraham. What a legend. This guy is a legend. And he is. But man, he messed up. He's a man just like us. And he failed just like us. And today, man, he fails again. Man, he gets himself into another pickle. We talked several weeks ago. Abraham got his family in a pickle. Man, and he does it again. And it's a very familiar pickle. Let's get into the text in Genesis 20. We'll read the first couple of verses and just kind of set things up. In those first two verses, it says, From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. An Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. Man, so from there, that's not just your normal everyday from there. When he says, when the, when the scripture says from there, man, uh, God, or I'm sorry, Abraham has just experienced on some level how deep is the love of God and how deep is the judgment of God. Man, he's coming off this crazy experience of witnessing Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. Now Abraham, man, he has grown deep in his spiritual maturity. We've seen week to week to week. Sure, he's messed up, but he's taken one step back, but two steps forward spiritually and, and, and maturity. One step back and two steps forward. And he's grown in close in his friendship with God. But for some reason, for some reason, he moves his family toward the territory of Negev. For some reason, he moves his family to the territory of Negev in a place called Gerar. That's not a place that he should be. It's not a place that he should be. And because his wife is so beautiful, uh, he feared that the king of Gerar would kill him. Because his wife is so beautiful, he feared that the king of Gerar would kill him. So Abraham lies. Abraham lies and says that she is his sister. Does this sound familiar? 
Does this sound familiar? Several weeks ago in Genesis chapter 12, in Genesis chapter 12, uh, 12 uh, uh, chronologically, this, it's 30 years ago. So Genesis 12 from, from today, Genesis 20, it's 30 years ago. We saw God calling Abraham to Canaan, the promised land, but there was a famine in the land and he went in the direction of Nejeb. <laughs> he went in the direction of Nejeb and destination was Egypt. Not a place he should be. Not a place he should be. He goes to Egypt, takes his family to Egypt. While in Egypt, what does Abraham do? Abraham lies. He lies to Pharaoh. You remember that? He lies to Pharaoh, to Pharaoh's officials, saying Sarah is his sister because he was afraid that Pharaoh would kill him. It happens again. <laughs> It happens again. Pharaoh takes Sarah into his harem of prostitutes. That's what a Pharaoh had back then. He has a harem of prostitutes, dozens of women that were his prostitutes, and endangers Sarah's life. Abraham endangers Sarah's life, potentially compromising her purity. Potentially compromising her purity. Here, 30 years later, in this text, he does it again. He does the same thing. Man, he does the same thing. Same sin. Same sin. Different time, different place, different king. Man, he does the same thing again. Man, once again, man, he takes things into his own hands. He felt he had to lie to protect himself. He puts his wife in danger to protect himself. Guys, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that to your wives, men. Man, he, he, he endangers his wife to protect himself. He felt he had to lie to protect himself. He didn't trust God like he thought. Man, God, he, Abraham has grown. We've seen that. But he didn't trust God like he may have thought. His old self... Man, his old self is rearing its ugly head. And this lying, this lying is like Abraham's pet sin. It's like his pet sin. It's something that he goes back to time and time again. Man, you know, when I cheated on that test, I grieved so much. Because here I am, a new man in Christ. I'm following Jesus. And man, I'm a, I've experienced so much transformation and so much change. I've matured spiritually. I've matured in my life, emotionally, and all of this stuff. God, God is just restoring me in Christ. And when I cheated on this test, man, I'm telling you, I grieved. I grieved so much. The conviction just enveloped me. And it was so oppressive. It was so oppressive. I thought that nature was gone. I thought it was gone. I thought it was out of me. Man, I, I, thought, it, I thought it was gone. I thought I was better than this. That's something I did way back then in college. Here I am, new in Christ. I thought I was past this. I thought I was better than this, but I learned that I wasn't. Man, I learned that I didn't trust God like I thought I did. That I didn't trust God like I thought I did. My old self reared its ugly head again. In the same way, I did the same thing. I did the same thing. Just like Abraham did the same thing. Man, guys, we all have uh, a pet sin. We all do. 
Just think about that for a moment. You know, what's, what's your pet sin? What's that thing that, man, you just kind of keep going back to? And you don't know what to do about it. Man, I'm a pastor up here. I got my pet sins. God has grown me tremendously, and I know he's growing you if you're in Christ. But man, we all have like these pet sins in our life that we keep going back to time and time again. Man, what's yours? What's yours? Let's see what happens next in the text in verses 3 through 7. It says, But God... So Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. So Abraham has lied. She is my sister. And the king has now taken Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night. So God is just like one step ahead. He's one step ahead of this, of this situation. God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, <laughs> man, you are a dead man. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, God. You are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. She is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, so he hadn't approached her yet, hadn't compromised her purity yet. Uh, He's only taken her, so God is one step ahead. God is always one step ahead of us. And what's he say? So now Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? Did he not lie? Did he not lie to me? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. Sarah lied too. Sarah lied too. And she said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. And then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Man, so God is extending grace to Abimelech. He's one step ahead of him. He's one step ahead of Abraham and Sarah. You can see already God's just kind of like, like fixing the situation. He's already in the process of protecting Abraham. And he's even protecting Abimelech. Abimelech, this guy, he's not a friend of God. Man, he doesn't, he doesn't worship Yahweh. He doesn't worship uh, the God of Israel here. And he's protecting him. He's just extending his grace over everything, everybody in this situation. And he calls Abimelech to return Sarah to Abraham. Or else he, he's going he's gonna to die. But we see that God is one step ahead and he's got this situation on lockdown. And we'll continue here in verses 8 through 13. And I really want us to focus on verses 8 through 13 because we're going to see Abraham's response and we're going to see his response, and um, this is, it's really important to, to how we view the text. It says, So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things, and the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me in my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you see that you did this thing? And here, Abraham starts to to give his response, his logic. And Abraham said, 
I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, actually. She is actually indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother. The daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is the kindness that you must do me. At every place to which we come, say of me, He is my brother. Every place, wherever we go, this is going to be our little thing. This is going to be like our little lie. You know, it's to protect ourselves. Wherever we go, this is going to be our thing. This is going to be our calling card. We're going to lie and say, She is my sister. He is my brother. Guys, we should pay great attention to what is going on here in Abraham's heart. Man, there's so much going on in his heart. And man, I think if we're being honest, we'll, we'll see our heart in Abraham's heart. Man, we, we've already seen in Abraham's heart, he's got this pet sin that he goes back to time and time again. In verse 11, where it says, Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Abraham, this great man of faith, he gets himself caught in his own web of deceit, and Abraham makes excuses. Abraham makes excuses. He excuses his deception by saying, surely the fear of God is not in this place, but you know what the real problem is? You know what the real problem is? The real problem is that the fear of God is not in Abraham's heart. It's not in Abraham's heart. He's looking at Gerar, and man, surely the fear of God is not in this place, but Abraham, Abraham, I'm lying. Man, Abraham is lying and being deceptive. The fear of God is not in his heart. <laughs> it's not in his heart. And he's making these excuses. Do we not make excuses in our lives when it comes to these, these pet sins that we have? Man, if he really respected the Lord, if he really respected his commandments and his promises and his protection, Abraham, Abraham would have never trusted in his own efforts. He never would have trusted in his own efforts or his plan to keep his family together, his plan to protect himself. Man, he never would have trusted in his own efforts. Man, I could, admit, I, could make, I could think of so many excuses of why I cheated on that test. I could think of so many excuses why. I could. I could think of so many excuses, but they just flat out couldn't hold up, if I'm being honest about it. They just couldn't hold up, because it all just comes down to a choice. Man, either I'm faithful in this, or I'm not. Either I'm faithful in this, or I'm not. I could have made so many excuses for the, what I did when I cheated on that test. Look at verse 12. We'll see more of Abraham's heart. He says, besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. He justifies. He justifies his lie. He justifies his lie by saying it, it is really the truth. It's actually, actually, no, it's actually the truth. But what's happening here is it's a half-truth. It's a half-truth. It's kind of the truth, but it's not really the truth. And a half-truth said with intent to deceive is a whole lie. It's a whole lie. Guys, there's no way I could justify what I did on that test. You guys ever encountered that situation where, eh, it's kind of true, but it's not? 
and you just kind of go with the, the side where it's not true, where, where it's not true. You ever encounter that, a half-truth in your life? Man, it's even those half-truths, man, that we've got to stay away from. Those half-truths are not faithful. A half-truth said with an intent to deceive is always a whole lie. And it's not faithful to God. It's not faithful to God and who He is and His glory and His faithfulness to us and His faithfulness to us. And in verse 13, it says, When God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is the kindness you must do me. At every place to which we come, say of me, He is my brother. Abraham, he indirectly blames God for the problem. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, God caused this. He, he, he made this happen. He indirectly blames God for the problem. You guys ever blame God for a problem that you are responsible for? You guys ever do that? Blame God? I, I've done it. I do it. He indirectly blames God for the problem, saying, God sent me out on this journey. And that word, that word wander, I never really like to share like the Hebrew stuff and language and all that, but that it's really important here to understand what Abraham is, is saying here. The Hebrew word for wander is used like probably many, many times, uh, 50 times or more in all of Scripture. But the Hebrew word used here, man, it's, it's a Hebrew word that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's, it's the Hebrew word is used for animals going astray. For animals going astray or, or, or a drunken man staggering. A drunken man staggering. So when you consider that, what Abraham is saying, what Abraham is saying is God caused me to stray. God caused me to stagger. He caused me to stray and he caused me to stagger. He caused me to fall but man, that's not consistent with who God is. God doesn't cause us to stray. God doesn't cause us to fall. God doesn't cause us to stagger. God doesn't cause those things to happen in our lives. Man, we're the cause. We're the cause if we're being honest. We're the cause of our falls. We're the cause of our stag. God allows that to happen. He allows that to happen and he's going to use it as we see here as we see here, but we're the cause. We're the cause of our wandering. And there's no way I could blame God for my sin. When I cheated on that test, there's no way that I could blame God for this. I was tempted. God doesn't tempt. He doesn't tempt us. I was tempted. This was the sin inside of me still working itself out in my heart. I thought it was gone, but apparently it wasn't. It was still right there. It was still right there. There's no way I could blame God for my sin. It was all on me. It was all on me. It was all on me. So how, how does this wrap up in verses 14 through 18? It says this. It says, Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham. So he, he, he blesses Abraham. He shouldn't. He probably shouldn't. Any other king probably would have killed him for putting him in danger with, with, his, with God. He blesses Abraham, and he returns Sarah, his wife, to him. Man, so this king, Abimelech, listens to God more than Abraham is listening to his, to his God. This guy, Abimelech, doesn't even know God. 
other than the, other than the fact that, that God has revealed himself to Abimelech. Otherwise, Abimelech doesn't know God, and here he is listening to God. And Abraham hasn't. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before everyone you are vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. For the, for the Lord had cho- closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah and Abraham's sin. So God just restores this whole situation, this whole mess. Man, God just restores everything. He, Abraham gets his wife back. Abraham's blessed by Abimelech. Uh, Abimelech is blessed by God. And God restores uh, the, the, his fruitfulness uh, in his life and in his family. But guys, this is, what, this is what God is saying in this text. This is not what I'm saying. This is what the scripture is saying. Old natures never really do die. Old natures never really do die. And we find it all too easy to slip back into old sinful habits. Into old sinful habits. But man, we must never forget what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. God was working out 4,000 years ago, about 2,000 years before that New Testament scripture, God was working that scripture out in Abraham's life. He was working that out in his life. He was reconciling the world, Abraham and his family, to himself. And here, he's not counting their trespasses against them. He's not counting their trespasses against them. Abraham is stumbling in a place where he had stumbled before. He's stumbling in a place where he had stumbled before. There was still a lot of Abram and Abraham. There were still a lot of Abram and Abraham. And despite Abraham's failure to really trust God in this situation, God was not going to abandon him. God was not going to abandon him. God did not rescind his promise to Abraham. He didn't rescind his promise. You know, all those promises I gave you, I'm taking them away. I'm taking them away. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't rescind his promise to Abraham because of Abraham's performance. It's because the promise depends on God and not Abraham. It depends on God and not Abraham. God's mercy would not leave Abraham. God bails out Abraham again, just like he did 30 years ago in Egypt. God intervenes and doesn't allow his sin to take its course at the detriment of God's plan to bring them a son. They're still waiting for that son. They're still waiting for that son. 
Now, there's consequences for our sin that we have to, that we have to uh, take, that we have to experience. Man, if we do something wrong, there's going to be a consequence for it. And more often than not, it has to happen. But it won't be a detriment to God's promise and His plan working in your life. It won't be a detriment to God's plan working itself out in your life. God continues to teach Abraham that he's not who he thinks he is. Abraham, you are not who you think you are. You're not who you think you are. And he's teaching him that, man, that God is so much more than he knows him to be. After I, after I cheated on that test, after I cheated on that test, I, I confessed. Man, I confessed. I was on my knees. Just grieving over it. I confessed. I repented. I confessed, confessed to a couple guys that I'm in community with for accountability. I confessed to my wife. I confessed to my wife. And I remembered the cross. I remembered the cross and, and grace just kind of rushed over me. This healing this healing, this restoration of this, this guilt, this conviction, this oppression in my heart. I remembered the cross. And grace rushes over me because this is exactly the situation that the cross is for. This is exactly the situation that the cross is for. And God taught me that I wasn't who I thought I was. I still had this deep in my heart. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. I thought I was past that. Man, that was years ago. <laughs> That was back in the college days. And here we go. I'm doing it again. God brought it out of my heart. Look, this is still in you. There's still too much Brian and Brian. There's still too much Brian and Brian. There's still too much Abraham and Abraham. There's still too much Brian and Brian. So much more than I thought. And he exposed that. He brought it out. He used my temptation and my sin to expose that and to bring it out. And he was teaching me that, man, he is so much more than I ever thought that he was. So much more than I ever thought that he was. I grew so much through that event, I'm telling you. It was a milestone in my life. Some of us might be thinking, oh, it's just a test. You know, cheating is not a big deal. It's a big deal. It's deceptive. God calls us not to bear false witness. What's that mean? It means don't lie. Don't lie. Be true. Be true in your integrity. Don't bear false witness. Don't lie. Man, don't cheat. Don't cheat. I grew so much through that event. I'll never forget it. It was, it was, it was a moment that was exactly what the cross is for. And this is what the cross is for. Guys, nobody ever reaches the point where he's beyond the reach of temptation and sin. We don't. Our old self is still within reach. It is. But it's a day-to-day -day choice to live in the Spirit and not in the flesh. It's a day-to-day -day choice to live in the Spirit and not in the flesh. It's a day-to-day -day choice to not live in your old self and to live in the new self. And you have the power to do it because of the gospel. But we forget that. I forgot in that moment, before that test, that I had the power. 
But the temptation and all the, all the man, if I fail this test, like, oh, man, it's going to be such a big deal. And, like, I don't want to fail this test or fail the class. All these things, I stopped thinking about the cross. I stopped thinking about the power. I stopped thinking about the new self. I stopped thinking about these things and who I was in Christ. And I went back to my old self. And I did it again. I did it again. Nobody ever reaches the point where he's beyond the reach of temptation and sin. But nobody ever reaches the point where he is beyond the reach of God's grace in Jesus Christ. Nobody ever reaches that point where you're beyond the reach of God's grace in Jesus Christ. Man, when we place our faith and trust in Christ for salvation and for, for this life, we enter into a covenant with God not based on our performance. It's based on Jesus' performance. He lived the perfect life. He died on a cross for our sins. There's no wrong you can do that Jesus hasn't already done right for you. Just like everybody here was vindicated. Abraham was vindicated. Sarah was vindicated. Everything is restored to them. It says, It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you and before everyone you are vindicated. In Christ we are vindicated. We are vindicated in Christ. This isn't a license to abandon God's will. Man, I, I have this grace and, man, I, I'm vindicated and, man, I, I just I can't mess up now. Man, this is not, this is not, this is not a license to abandon God's will. Man, it's, a, it's a passport. It's a passport to growth. It's a passport to transformation, to living a holy life. It's a passport to integrity to the integrity that God calls us to in a relationship with him. It's not a license to lie. It's not a license to manipulate. Oh, God's going to forgive me, so it's cool. I can lie. It's cool. I can cheat on this test. That's not how it works. His grace is an entry point to our growth. It's an entry point to our growth. What we're seeing here, what we've seen in Abraham, what we've seen here is deeper, genuine faith. It comes from God's grace. But it comes through failure. It comes through failure. Man, it's almost like I had to cheat on that test. God didn't cause me to cheat on that test, but it's almost like I had to. Because God, he wanted to expose what was in my heart that I didn't know was in there. Still. He had to root it out. And he had to do it through a failure. Through a failure. And God is doing that with Abraham again and again and again and again. But listen, I can tell you with confidence from my own experience, there's going to be times when you're going to fail. Yeah, and you don't want to hear that, you know. You're going to fail. You're not going to trust God all the time. You're not going to perfectly trust God. There's going to be times when you won't trust Him. But man, don't fret. God is faithful. God is faithful, not to those who are perfect or trust him perfectly. Not to those who trust him perfectly, but he is faithful to those who simply have faith. To people who are simply just walking with him. With humility. And like Abraham, in your failure, let God grow you in dependence on him. Let him grow you on dependence on him by always landing back at the cross. And that's ultimately what has happened in my life. That was a huge moment in my life where I grew leaps and bounds in dependence on God.
in dependence on God. The cross shows us that God has all of the grace that we need in our sin and in our failure. Let's pray.